0: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy.
1: There are so many things we are not supposed to talk about. Our sex lives, our bodies, our mental health. But I want to invite you into conversations that will make some of the tricky stuff less intimidating. Hey, my name is Anita Rao, and I am the host of the award-winning podcast Embodied. We're a show that doesn't shy away from the taboo and takes on everything from diet culture to growing up mixed race to how AI is changing our relationships. Every Friday, you'll find a new episode diving into important questions about our bodies and society, and nothing is off limits. Listen to Embodied wherever you get your podcasts.
2: It's 11 a.m., and it's a Saturday, and I'm in the gym. There's squeaking of shoes. There's Jump shots happening, bouncing as of balls. The iconic swoosh sound smells like B.O. Smells like Axe body spray. There are kids screaming at each other past the ball. It's tryouts, I'm trying out for a basketball team. And I've been practicing, been working really good. I wanted to be on this team because my friends are on this team. An hour goes by I did the layup line, I did the drills and I hear the coaches whistle and he walks up to me and he tells me I didn't make the team.
3: Oh, Fonzo, what did that rejection feel like? It felt really bad,
2: uh, I, uh, I, I cried <laughs> <laughs> and um, I remember after I would go to the games and like go to practices and like look in on my friends, and I wanna be a part of it. It stuck with me, that rejection. And I kinda had FOMO, you know? And I realize now that that FOMO, that fear of missing out, has been a big motivator and a part of my life.
3: Grown. 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 I'm Aliza. And I'm Fonda. And this is Grown, a podcast from the moth full of stories about what it means to grow up.
2: This episode, we're going to be exploring that feeling I had on those basketball tryouts, you know, rejection.
3: Yeah, we're going to be talking about what it means to be on the outside looking in. FOMO, feeling rejected, like you're not fully a part of the group. Something I think we all feel, but maybe don't talk about enough.
2: Story of my life.
3: Oh, Fonzo. (laughs) Well, first up, we have Anais Serena Irizari Austin with a story that'll have you thinking about some throwback tunes. She told this at a Kate Spade showcase of the Moth Workshop program, where the theme of the night was Resilient Spirit.
0: Here's Anais, live at the Moth. When I was younger, my mom would always play old-school hip-hop and R&B from the 70s, 80s, and 90s. And so I would... I would be doing something normal, like uh, doing homework one night, and she starts to play all these old school jams, so uh, from artists like Michael Jackson, Alicia Keys, Stevie Wonder, the Fugees, and one day she put specifically on Ready or Not by the Fugees, then she started to play the song, and you could hear the music booming throughout the house, all the vibrations of the rhythm dancing off the walls, and... Then my mom starts to harmonize along with the song and feeling so moved with the energy in the room, I decided to harmonize with her. And we sang, Ready or not, here I come, you can't hide. Gonna find you and take it slowly. And that harmony, that sound is what defined my childhood and always made me feel safe. All of this feeling and connecting to my roots and to all that made me feel safe at home was mostly before I started middle school. So before I really started to get into all these social relationships and trying to make friends, trying to have a group, a buddy, to hang out with at lunch and all that. Um, And... When I did get to middle school, I wanted to be social, so I brought up to people, "Hey, do you know Lauren Hill? Do you know Whitney Houston?" And the people in my in my grade would look at me and say, "Whitney Houston? Uh, who's that?" And mind you, they did not look like me. They weren't people of color like me, nor were they Caribbean like me. And so they didn't really understand my rhythm. In fact, they would not dance on rhythm. And (laughs) so... And they also liked artists more so like Justin Bieber and Taylor Swift. And I mean, respect. Respect if you like them. Uh, But... (laughs) not necessarily my immediate cup of tea I thought but okay like you like that and I want to be and I want to f- I really want to find a friend so you know what I'm going to learn your song I started to learn songs like baby 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 oh and you know <laughs> <laughs> just not for me so I realized that um just because they were maybe judging my rhythm, and just because they weren't willing to learn, just because they didn't understand my rhythm didn't mean that I had to force myself to change my own rhythm. And I decided I was going to be able to stand to stand or sit in a corner on my own and put my headphones in my ear and listen to my favorites and listen to Ready or Not if I had to. And not only if I had to, but... I had to be, I must be myself. Then I got to high school, and I started to meet more people of color like me who, who got my rhythm, who like were able to dance on beat with me, and were, who were able to sing the same songs. They knew who Whitney Houston was. And they knew, of course, Stevie Wonder and all these people. And so I realized, oh, we have more stuff in common. Um, And yet I still didn't necessarily share all of the music that I loved for fear that someone way in the back of the group, like even as we were dancing in this huddle, someone way in the back of the group might come and say, who are you all listening to? Who's that? I wasn't ready to take that. And so I didn't share all of my music. But one day... I met this girl named Samantha, and she was Caribbean like me and is in my grade, and we clicked on so many different things, culture, food, um, rhythm, sound, and I thought, okay, well, I've met this person I, I really enjoy, maybe I could share a little bit more of myself. And so one day I walked through the lobby of uh, our school building. I was feeling so confident um, that I decided, okay, I'm going to put my earbuds in and I'm going to blast Ready or Not. And it's going to be, I'm going to enjoy this entrance into school and it's amazing. And so I was feeling this confidence. I started to skip down the hall and was humming the song really loudly. And so now the skipping turns into prancing and I'm, I, I, go all the way up to the third floor of our building and now I'm totally strutting down the hall and um, and I sit in front of my locker humming and enjoying the sound of tapping my foot to the beat and slowly I notice that my friend is humming along with me and she knows the song and not only that but slowly she starts Slowly, as I am more in and in and come more into my music, I start full-on singing my song, and she starts to sing along with me. And so then I realized that I didn't have to hide all of myself anymore. For once, I could sing loudly, at least with this one person, and then eventually more people might join along if they want. For now, I can be fully me. And so, we have been harmonizing, singing full on, ever since.
3: That was Anais Serena Irizarry Austin. When we asked how her younger self would describe her now, she said, really adventurous and extroverted. And I think I'm kind of shy, so I did not expect myself to be like that as I got older. Also, it's kind of funny and cool how I love STEM right now. And it looks like I'm going to love the performing arts one day, too. Anais, I love your energy.
2: If you'd like to learn more about all of our storytellers, check out GrownPod.com. We'll also have some great photos of Anais and her mom. Plus, we're also on Instagram and TikTok at GrownPod. So check those out. We're really fun on social media. We promise.
3: Up next, a story about a sea creature. But first, Fonzo, I want to talk about something. So you know how in used Yusa's story, she mentions that feeling on the outside because of her music taste really impacted her. At the top of the show, you talk about how being on the outside and having FOMO because of not making the basketball team really impacted you, but as a motivator. What did you mean by that?
2: The things you are around influence you, you know? And so at that time, my friends playing basketball, all playing basketball at that time, I wanted to play basketball. I wanted to mm-hmm. be in that community. I wanted to be with my friends. It's not like, oh, like like fitting in. It's just you're drawn to like what that energy that strongly attracts what you want and, mm-hmm. and moves you and is a motivator to like who you truly are.
3: Yeah. I really love that because I feel like when I think of FOMO, I think of like really negative feelings but kind of – repositioning it in your head as a way to motivate you is really powerful. And I think that also what's important is to surround yourself with good people who are good people to look up to, good people to motivate you. Because if your friends are doing something that's maybe not so great, you don't want to feel motivated (laughs) to do that. But it sounds like you have some really, really great people in your life. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Always. You got to keep it positive and, you know, the things you want for yourself, you should definitely see in your friends. Aliza, is there a time you felt like you didn't belong?
3: Yeah, is there a time I felt like I didn't belong? I think I feel like belonging is such a difficult thing. I don't know if there's ever a time in our life where we feel consistent belonging. There are moments, there are days, there are nights, there are even weeks where I feel like I'm in the right place. But then... that can change very quickly. And I don't know, when I was younger I thought that was a really bad thing. Now that I'm older and I've experienced it so much, I just accept it as a part of life. Mm. Something I really struggle with though is that little voice in my head that tells me I don't belong because people don't like me. Tell me that I don't belong because I need to change a part of myself. Just that that mean voice that lives in the back of my head that just doesn't shut up, uh constantly telling me that there's A bad reason why I don't belong, other than the fact that that's just part of being human. Mm. And something that I've really tried to do recently is just be really honest about when I feel like I don't belong. Not in a way that's like, oh, do you guys like me, blah, 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 but asking my friends, like, (laughs) hey, do you ever just feel like you're on the outside even when you should be on the inside? Mm. Mm. And 99% of the time, the answer is yes. And we get to talk about that uncomfortable feeling that. We all feel. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. I don't know. What about uh, you?
2: Also belong, you know? Belong. That's a strong... What is belonging? You mm. know what I'm saying? Like, you have to be who you are. Mm-hmm. Or, like, be who Eliza is. Or be yeah. who I am. Who Fonzo is. In every room. And, and that's, like... It's okay to experience or, or be in rooms and be in places and not always feel, like accepted or or not even you don't have to it's 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 like either way you exist
3: yeah you know? i feel like if it if it's not the right fit it's not your puzzle and that i think really comes from self acceptance which i think is something we're all always working on and i think maybe the more we accept ourselves the more we feel comfortable in not feeling like you're Belonging because, like you said, you got to be who you are. You got to accept and love who you are. And that makes you care less, maybe, about what other people think. It's a tough place to get to. I'm not saying that's easy. God, am I so, so very far away (laughs) from that point. But always working towards that self acceptance and self love, uh, I think helps kind of shake off the feelings Uh, of feeling on the outside. Appreciate
2: yourself. Appreciate yourself. Appreciate
3: yourself, yeah.
2: Looking in the mirror and being like, I appreciate to
3: mm. like
2: getting up and like getting up and like being like looking in that mirror and be like yo you know what you're doing it
3: daily affirmation this is,
2: this, <laughs> yo affirmations so important
3: mm-hmm.
2: alisa was there ever a time when you rejected someone else
3: oh boy yeah okay I'm gonna be real vulnerable here <laughs> um it's so freshman year of high school you know that like first, second week of freshman year friend group where you're like, I guess we're just going to be friends because we sit next to each other, that kind of thing. So I had one of those and kind of like the head girl of the group decided she didn't like one of the girls. And so because she was self-proclaimed head girl of the group, we all kind of rejected that one girl until she got the hint and stopped hanging out with us. Uh, Flash forward a week, I was the next target and I was rejected by the group and kicked out. And then I realized how guilty I felt about kicking out that first girl and actually how much I really, really liked her and really wanted to be her friend. And slowly over time, she forgave me, and we're best friends today. Oh!
2: Yeah! Oh, so, wow.
3: And I think that feeling of rejection, the fact that we both got rejected— Helped us bond for sure, oh, and nice. she's long forgiven me. Sometimes she likes to bring it up, but
2: oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm so happy that you guys both got kicked out the cool crew. I guess. Yeah, I mean, I, I said cool crew. I'm sorry. No, I
3: just, that's yeah, That's uh, what they were.
2: You are definitely cooler than. <laughs> you know what? I just see. I got, I got that high school mentality ingrained in my brain. Up my uh, it's so
3: hard to shake. I get nah, that.
2: That brought you together.
3: So, Fonzo, we are quite a few years removed from high school, so. What does it feel like now when you don't belong versus what it felt like when you were 16?
2: Me older compared to when I was younger, I feel like being rejected younger definitely uh, feels a lot more intense. But even back then, I think that I would still kind of, like, be okay with that. Mm. I kind of was just always fine. I think that um, being a loner was kind of my vibe, so— Mm. But uh, I found my community. I found my people eventually. So it a was community of loners. Yeah, but I was always <laughs> getting. I was always getting rejected. So, mm. Just, uh, but like you, it's led me to my my good friends. Mm. You know what I'm saying?
3: Yeah, self acceptance. That's really yeah. what the, I think. That is what the key seems to be. Yeah. That the more we accept ourselves, love ourselves, care for ourselves, then the more we care less about belonging with people that we aren't meant to belong with. Absolutely. And that segues us to our next story. Up next is Hannah Citrone. She told this story at a high school Grand Slam in New York City.
2: Here's Hannah, live at the moment.
1: So I have a bit of an overactive brain. My brain is so overactive that if you were to take my head and place it next to you and saw off the top half of my skull and look inside my now gaping hole of a cranium, you would probably see some glitter and some explosions and probably some fire-breathing dragons. Unfortunately, my brain is so chock-full of ideas that with too much sloshing about, the thoughts kind of spill over the edges and at rapid fire come hurtling out of my mouth in what I call word vomit episodes. Fortunately enough, sometimes these word vomit episodes happen in really helpful scenarios, like an AP World History class where we're talking about the French Revolution and I know something and I raise my hand and oh, here it comes, Marie Antoinette and guillotines and palaces. And it's good because it stimulates the conversation. Other times, Not in AP World History class, I'm having a normal conversation and I attempt to make a joke which is apparently bizarre or uncomfortable and instead of stimulating the conversation, the conversation comes to a painful, screeching, grinding halt. A while ago, me and my aforementioned AP world class drove into our small upstate New York high school parking lot at six in the morning to board a Greyhound tour bus. We were going to board this Greyhound tour bus and take the four hour schlep down to New York City for the long anticipated Museum of Natural History field trip. This is a big deal. The day starts out well, I board the bus, and I plop down next to my two best friends, girls who I've known since second grade. I've known them through thicks and thins and ups and downs, and I can read them like the back of my own hand. Unfortunately, one of my best friends has another best friend who, for privacy reasons, we will call Emily. Now, Emily and I have a topsy-turvy relationship. She's my best friend's best friend, so of course, by obligation, I have to hang out with her. Now, obligation is an important word in our friendship. (laughs) Now, don't get me wrong, Emily is beautiful. She's tall and blonde and blue-eyed and vivacious and intelligent, and she has boys throwing themselves at her feet repeatedly. All this throwing of boys repeatedly at her feet has kind of boosted her ego so she feels a bit superior to the rest of us plebeians, especially myself. (laughs) Now, when Emily talks to me, her tone is saccharine sweet and her smile is calm and easy, but her words drip with passive aggressiveness. Despite this, we're all okay, and we pull into the museum parking lot all in one piece. Once we're in the museum, we split off into small groups, me with my two friends and, of course, Emily. Now, it starts off, okay, we're walking through, we're perusing the sights, the sounds, and the feelings of the big city of New York in this tiny museum. And we get to the shark exhibit. And as we're walking around and looking at model whale sharks and taking pictures in the fake megalodon jaws, we get on the topic of relationships. And I mentioned, yeah, I'm single, but we are sophomores and only 15, so I've got plenty of time and I'm not really worried about it. And at this, Emily turns around and she whips around on her heel, her blonde hair whipping her neck, and she says to me, well, Hannah... You know that whenever you're in AP World History class and you raise your hand to answer a question, everyone rolls their eyes. And honestly, I think you don't have a boyfriend because you're loud, and you're weird, and you're obnoxious. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. That was my reaction. (laughs) So I blink. And I'm thinking in my head, I'm like, well, since I've been long afflicted with this word vomit problem, I've heard all of it. I'm annoying, and I'm loud, and I'm too much. But those were usually from people who I didn't know very well or people who were known bullies. So while their strikes stung and they would kind of mole in my brain for six to 10 business days, I was usually allowed to wipe them off and move on. Emily's words were different. They hit me like a punch, and they settled deep in my gut. So I swallow and I'm looking around at my semicircle of friends and I'm waiting for something. I'm waiting for them to defend me or come to my aid or do anything. And I met with kind of a series of awkward stares and shuffling of feet and talking of hair behind ears. So I chuckle and we move on. And we continue walking through the exhibits in an awkward silence and I'm thinking in my head, I'm thinking, oh my God, she knows so much about relationships and I must be unlovable. And when I talk in class, I thought I was helping with the conversation and I thought my jokes were funny. Maybe I'm just annoying and stupid and horrible. And we get to the Hall of Biodiversity. I love the Hall of Biodiversity. My favorite part is the back wall, which is filled with taxidermies and preserved slugs and snails and all sorts of spineless creatures. And it's a beautiful rainbow expanse of every type of life form. And as we walk into the entranceway, still enveloped in this awkward silence, we pass under a replica of a giant squid. And this giant squid is ginormous and she's orange hued with long twisting tentacles and beautiful black eyes and her content pallid expression is met with my friend's remarks of oh she's so slimy looking and god her tentacles look disgusting and ew but these words float past my ears and i crane my neck up and i study her and i think in my head yeah She's kind of gross looking and she's peculiar and she's strange, but I look closer and i notice that I've never seen anything like her. She's weird and peculiar, but she's also beautiful and fantastic. And honestly, more than she's weird and peculiar and odd and strange, she was marvelous. She was a marvel. Thank you.
2: That was Hannah Citrone. She said that our younger self would be so happy that we have finally found friends who love us for who we are and not who they want us to be. Speak to them. That is so true and awesome.
3: If you'd like to learn more about Hannah or any of our other storytellers, just check us out at grownpod.com. Hannah sent us a photo from the Natural History Museum of the longest inchworm ever found in a human. Yuck. We'll have that up there, though, if you want to see it.
2: I'm going to be honest, I don't think I want to see that picture.
3: Well, we wanted to hear more from Hannah about what that feeling of being on the outside is like for someone actually in high school. We sat down to talk to her. Here's that conversation.
2: So our theme of the episode is outside looking in. And so, you know, how does it feel now?
1: So, um, throughout the rest of the school year, I've kind of moved away from the friend group mentioned in the story um, and found my own pocket of people who have kind of really embraced me and who I am in my fullness. And Mm. I feel like I'm no longer calculating my every move. And when I leave that space, I'm no longer like thinking and mulling over everything I said. I'm just open and free to be me without you know, harsh judgment of my character at every turn. Mm. Um, and as I look in, I don't, it's hard for me to reconcile with myself. I'm like, why did I stay there for so long? Why did I, you know, kind of broil myself in this discomfort for so long when there's other things, there's people who will accept me, who accept everyone for, you know, who they are, and it's never worth to stay in somewhere that make, causes you discomfort. Yeah.
3: That's amazing. I'm so happy to hear that you, <laughs> you you can be yourself in your fullness. I'm happy to. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> I am sure.
2: As you look ahead to adulthood, what do you think the most challenging and most exciting things will be?
1: So I think, you know, I've—so I've been in, with the same group of kids, the same 100-something kids since kindergarten. And, um— when I move away to college or, you know, wherever life takes me, it's going to be strange, I think, to to leave these people who I've been with for so many days and so many hours and so many weeks of my entire life. Mm. So, you know, I might not see some of them ever again. And I know all their names and I know all their last names. And even though we maybe haven't talked in years, I remember a lot of them, you know, when we were four to now seeing them when we're 16. So they're always kind of there, you know, lurking in the shadows. <laughs> but um, as I move away, it'll be safety in numbers. Again, I think it'll be freeing. I mm. suppose college is always freeing, but especially because it's new faces, new names, new people to meet who I'll know from when I'm 18 to 22 instead mm-hmm. of when I'm 4 to 18. Yeah. So I'm excited for that. I'm nervous for that. So I think that's kind of, yeah, the combination of the two, both nerves and excitement, you um, but yeah, I think everyone's nervous when they go to college. But I, it's it's going to be a big change. It's gonna, especially if I end up going to college in a city. Mm. It's like you know jumping into a cold pool. I don't really know what to expect, but I hope I'll be able to find my people again. I have total faith that you will. Thank you.
2: you <laughs> I, I, I'm like yeah, you're totally, you're totally ready for this. <laughs> Uh, so exciting i can tell you right now just jump you know being around your high school and the people you know from growing up and branching out is how you find yourself and most of your people and stuff like that
3: yeah and i know absolutely
2: how do you think your friendships and relationships will change as you grow older
1: I hope that they will only bring me more joy, more happiness, you know, more closeness to other people. I think that that's one of the things I value most in life is closeness to other people. Um, I value the closeness I had to Emily. While it wasn't loving closeness, I, you know, I was, we were still close. We were close in dislike. And I think that's almost as important as being close in love and close in joy. And I hope that, they can my friendships continue to teach me things and continue to envelop me fully and develop and change in good ways and grow new branches. And I want to meet as many people as I can and experience as much as I can, um, both by going to different places but also getting to know people on as deep a level as possible.
3: Um, I'm curious, it has been that long since the events in the story, and since you've told the story. What do you think Hannah in 10 to 20 years will think about the story?
1: I think that I will not remember the event other than what is told in the story. Mm. I think I've—I'm not—A, I have a terrible memory. (laughs) Um, B, I think that telling the story has made me move on from, you know, some of the bullying and stuff that I faced in middle school and, you know, the beginning of ninth grade— and I hope in 10 to 20 years, Hannah is going to be a well-developed, a grown adult <laughs> um, with an established, you know, friend group, a life, a job, something that I love and enjoy doing. Um, and I hope that this will be kind of just like a stepping stone in the path to to that. I love that. I,
3: you know, that's the thing about being, having the opportunity to share a story is that you get to speak meaning into it and mm-hmm. you get to take, especially your story. Take where, the power back. Exactly. And... Uh, you know, uh, I've told a moth story that now has just become to me a story rather mm-hmm. than a thing that's happened in my life, and that can totally be a good thing. Um, and yeah, I, I love that perspective, and I I would love to talk to her for ten years from now and see how she feels about it. <laughs> hey, I mean, if you have a time machine, role, I'd be happy to be back in <laughs> yeah. ten years. That's good. The moth, like the grown t- uh, time capsule episode. Yes, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, that'd be great. Time I'm write capsule. That down. Episode. Yeah. <laughs>
2: It was so great to get a chance to talk to Hannah.
3: Yeah, it was amazing. So Fonzo, what's our next episode about?
2: Aliza, I'm glad you asked. We'll be talking about what we're really into, anime and Twilight, you know? How that stuff you love shapes the person you become. Roll that clip.
3: And my friends have gone to anime conventions and they always tell me, Abby, it's so much fun. Like, you're gonna have a great time. You're gonna meet so much new people. I'm just like, you lost me at meeting new people. (laughs)
2: That's it for this episode.
3: Remember, no matter how old you are, you're never fully grown.
2: Aliza Cosme is a multimedia storyteller passionate about using the power of storytelling for social good. The last time she felt on the inside was when the person at the bodega knew her coffee order before she said it.
3: Alfonso Lacayo is a passionate creative from the Bronx who appreciates the art of storytelling and self-expression. He feels accepted every time he looks into the eyes of the people he loves the most.
4: Grown is a production of The Moth. Our senior editor is Sarah Jane Johnson and our senior producer is Mark Solinger. that's me, with support from our artistic team, including Jody Powell, Suzanne Rust, and Sarah Austin Jeunesse. This podcast wouldn't be possible without our education team. Melissa Brown, Jonathan Cabral, Devin Elise Wilson, and Anna Stern, as well as our instructors, past and present. To learn more about The Moth's education programs for young adults and educators, visit themoth.org edu. The stories in this episode were directed by Chloe Salmon and Melissa Brown, with additional coaching by Tim Lopez, Nisei Greenberg, and Chantal Morial. Mixing is by Davey Sumner, with original music and sound design by Davey Sumner. Special thanks to all those who contributed their voices. The rest of the Moss leadership team includes Sarah Haberman, Jennifer Hickson, Meg Bowles, Kate Tellers, Marina Klitsche, Brandon Grant-Walker, Lee Ann Gully, and Aldi Casa. All Moss stories are true, as remembered, and affirmed by their storytellers. For more about Grown, go to grownpod.com. Grown is presented by PRX, the public radio exchange.
2: Ever wonder why we want to tell complete strangers our personal secrets? Or what a CIA spy can teach you about keeping things close to the chest? Read about this and see other fascinating articles on secrets in Groan's Pocket Collection. Pocket is a website and app that finds the most thought-provoking articles from trusted sources all around the internet and puts them in one place. With Pocket, you can keep and find new articles to read save articles for later, and even have your saved articles read aloud to you. If you want to dig deeper into this secret-worthy episode of Groan, head over to Pocket and check out our collection at getpocket.com slash